podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Boom, Free Play Friday is back. And you guys know what time it is. It's time for Cole Manback Sharp Plays brought to you by BlueChew.com and my bookie. Remember, go to BlueChew.com for the first ever chewable FDA-approved active ingredient, same as Viagra and or Cialis, so you know it works. So if you need to get up, go to BlueChew.com. First month free if you use promo code ARMCHAIR. Remember, that's promo code ARMCHAIR. First month free to get your weenie hard. And then Armchair is sponsored. All of our shows are sponsored by MyBookie.ag. Use promo code CHAIR for a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. You win, you get paid. And guess who's getting paid? That is Cole Manbeck. He had a perfect week last week, folks. So it's time to hop on the Cole Manbeck Sharp Play trains. So if you need a refresher, he correctly picked Baylor Moneyline. Picked Toledo money line and UCLA plus six and a half. So that netted him 359 bucks. That is where he is sitting. He is now at eight and five on the year. So get out your pen, get out your piece of paper, mark these downs. Cole Manbeck is going to help you win money. No guaranteed. I'm not liable. So pick number one, he has Army plus three versus Tulane. Then he has Auburn minus three versus Florida and UCLA minus six versus Oregon State. Again, I'm going to repeat them because Cole Manbeck is coming off a perfect week. So you want to write these down. He has Army plus three versus Tulane, Auburn minus three versus Florida, UCLA minus six versus Oregon State. Get to mybookie.ag, use promo code CHAIR for your 100% deposit match and Make money with Cole. Now, let's hop into the show. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted Free Play Friday is back, and before we get into it, remember all of our episodes and every episode in the Armchair Media Network is sponsored by MyBucky.ag. Use promo code CHAIR for a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. All the boneheads are smart, they're intelligent, they know sports, and they smell pretty good. Also, BlueChew.com, promo code ARMCHAIR, first month free. Remember, it's chewable, FDA-approved, same stuff as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. And I'll tell you what, our guest today, I could promise you, if you were sitting across from him, you wouldn't need any blue chew. Sadly, I am <laughs> Skyping, so thank goodness we have that sponsor. 
He is the man, the myth, the legend. He is the captain of the Young Bucks faction of the K-State media game. He's the single greatest K-State basketball recruiting analyst ever to walk the planet. Dare I say, the most attractive man on press row every week at football and basketball as well. And I t- you can hear him laughing. He officially is now a recurring guest. It took him... A very long time. It goes all the way back to the first ever Bosca's Voice KSO crossover. But Grant Flanders, a.k.a. Flando, finally getting his second official appearance on Bosco's Boys. And God damn, am I happy to have him on. Grant, how are you doing over there in Manhattan? Man, this is exciting. This is really exciting. It's kind of funny. You you, you bring up I'm in Manhattan, and I, I didn't even think about this until – I was talking to my girlfriend. She got off work not long ago, and we were on the phone. And she was like, "So why didn't you just come to Kansas City and record this?" I, she, you know, that could have happened. That could. Does she happened. live in I Kansas City? Think about that. What's that? Yeah, she, she lives in Kansas City. So she was like, oh, "Come on, man, you should have came." She was like, "Missed opportunity." I was like, "Yeah, I guess." But hey, this is still exciting. This is fun. What was that thing in the intro? You said uh, they smell good too. Oh yeah. Was, I'll- Every single bonehead smells amazing. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, they, they smell great. Right They're intelligent. They smell great. Uh, we have the best fans in the biz. Um, and now I'm a little sad that I, I didn't know your girlfriend lived up here. You definitely should have came up here, and uh, we could have done this in person. But we'll, we'll next do it time, over, dude. Yes. Like I can be like a, a recurring guest, like Dale is, you know. Oh man, you're gonna have to really pump up your numbers if you want to if you want to get up there with Matt Hall, uh, Jimmy Casey underscore fan. I, I mean, I tell you what, he's on. He's been on our show probably even more times than he's been on your guys' show, and he's a staple during basketball season with you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we love yeah. we love Jimmy Goheen or, or KSU underscore fan. Yeah, he's. <laughs> He's been great throughout the football season, and yeah, he's a mastermind. Yeah, because he had, he gets to be up in the press box with you uh, with you fine folks. I know. Well, I'm down on the field, but oh, yes, yes, he's yeah, up there yeah. in the press the press box. But I don't know. I like the field level. I like being able to be right there in the action. You know. Well, I think next year I'm going to try to get credential. I'll just hang out with you down on the field, oh, and dude, that'd I'll, be awesome. I'll try not to distract you from taking those great pictures and getting all the info down, from down on the field because uh, I know you do a great job. But maybe next year I'll try to do that. But yes. we'll, we'll transition a little bit because. This is Free Play Friday, and while you provided the amazing primer for our Baylor preview episode, if you guys haven't listened to it, go back and do so. Um, But we're going to talk a little bit about basketball, some basketball recruiting, a little bit about the current team. Uh, The season has kicked off, but the reason why I wanted to do this is some pretty big news happening. Bruce Weber just got their third commitment of the season, another four-star, another Rivals 150 guy. He's a wing from Orlando, Florida. Mr. Selton Miguel. So tell the listeners a little bit about his recruitment. How long and hard was Bruce Weber going after mm-hmm. him? Who was the lead recruiter? And just basically tell everyone who they beat out and who this kid is. So before uh, assistant coach Chester Frazier, now assistant coach at Virginia Tech, before he left K-State's program, he had started the relationship with Selton down in Orlando. And obviously um, – that that definitely started things off, but once once Chester left, Jermaine Henderson, who took over Chester's spot, 
filled right in and got that relationship built up even more so to where it, I mean, obviously levels to enough for them to, to land this four star kid out of Orlando, which kudos shout me before I go further, shout out to Jermaine for, for making this happen. I mean, just getting the job, I mean, less than what, like six months, it feels like into the job, he is already getting his first commit and a four star kid at that. I mean, just great news for him and uh, the staff, but yeah, so it started started way back when when Chester was around they they cultivated this when he was in like the 10th grade and since then I mean you know they've stayed on him Jermaine stayed on him really hard and he's a he's there was there other schools that were involved with him where you know Western Kentucky was a school that he went and went to a visit with uh and University of Southern Florida so you have two schools. I mean, the, the Florida one obviously was interesting. That was way earlier in his recruiting. I mean, they'd been recruiting him from the beginning, but they were they were kind of like just there because they'd been recruiting the longest. Western Kentucky was involved because uh, they also were recruiting uh, Celta Miguel's brother, who's like uh, I don't think he's ranked right now on Rivals or anything. I think his name is Rafin Rafin Miguel. And oh, is someone someone home? Yeah, hold on one second. <laughs> Hello? I'll probably edit that out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that a little delivery of some sort? No, it was a maintenance guy trying to say that there was a ticket. I was like, no, I didn't put in a ticket. So. Oh, anyway. Whatever. Uh, where, where was it? Okay, so yeah, it was like basically saying how Western Kentucky was in uh, recruiting, recruiting Shelton really hard. And his other major offers, though, I mean, those were really, I think, his closest relationships were South Florida, Western Kentucky, and K-State, all three places that he visited. But he also got later um, offers, one from TCU, and I think the A&M one did come later as well. Texas A&M, they, they were really close. They were in the race for sure. I mean, there's definitely rumblings that I started to hear that, like, man, he might actually choose Texas A&M even without visiting there. But sure enough, he, he didn't end up visiting any other places, uh, even though after the K-State visit, he talked about possibly doing that. But when it came down to it, it was K-State always being there, always recruiting him the hardest. And I mean, throughout the evaluation period the past few weeks, they were down there to see him a number of times to make sure they secured this guy. And I mean, obviously... I mean, you've heard the hype if you've been on KSO and seen the stuff. And uh, we've known this for the past, you know, we, we heard early – DY actually heard the info uh, early Saturday morning or maybe late Friday. He heard the info, passed it along to the rest of us, and we started to hear that, yeah, like Celta Miguel is going to come to K-State. And sure enough, he made the announcement yesterday down in Orlando. And I guess this is this. You said this is going out on Friday. So uh, he made the announcement on Tuesday down in Orlando at West Oaks, his school. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess your next question might be to, like who he is as a player, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it might be like you uh, might, you know, lead the KSO show in your in your spare time. You know how these go. So tell me about uh, <laughs> Selton as a player. Uh, so, yeah, Selton, he's a small forward first. He's a wing for sure. But, I mean, he can definitely – he's versatile in, in the way he, he's already – he's probably the most physically gifted uh, guy coming into K-State that I've seen in a while as far as a guy who's – not going to need – I mean, he's going to get even bigger, which is crazy. But, like, he's he's not – he already looks really fit, really, really big for his age. And, I mean, to, to add that along with – he's also – he's still lean, though. He's not – you know, he's not he's not thick by any means. He's lean, but he but he's got the muscle. He's, um, he's about 6'4". I think, you know, I met him on his visit to K-State. I shook his hand, you know, talked to him a little bit, and he's – to me, as a 6'2 guy, I thought he looked a little even taller than 6'4", but maybe I'm just a bad judge as far as that goes. But I think he's a little taller than that. He's really long. Um, and then when you talk about his game, he's a guy who's very physical on the court, which is good because if you're gonna, if you're going to be big for your uh, for your position and uh, have that length and athleticism, but also be pretty ripped. You, you need to be physical, right? And so he t- he definitely looks for contact down in the lane. He, he, he knows how to finish through contact. But, I mean, it's still today's game. So, I mean, if you've seen any of his tape, you'll see that he still he still enjoys being able to pull, do some step backs uh, behind the backs, you know, with the – I mean, there's, there's this Insta- – on his Instagram, you scroll down to one of his first few posts. He doesn't have many posts you'll see a really nasty, nasty step back that he pulls on someone. And it's from three-point range, so he's got the range as well. I mean, I think this kid, he's going to be able to score he's at all three levels. And, I mean, there's not – I mean, the, the biggest question, I think, will be if, if he can become the defensive stopper that you want him to be. He's definitely got the effort on that end. He's got the athleticism. I think he's got the speed and everything to stay in front of guys. But I mean, it's it's a lot easier said than done. He's gonna have to come in and 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 the the precedent set for K State basketball is that I mean, if you're at that size and that length and everything, you should be able to stop a guy one on one no matter what. So I mean, he's coming in after guys like Barry Brown, Xavier Sneed, guys that could really step up and and guard that position on the guard the perimeter better than really a lot of players in the country. So I'm not I, I I'm not ready to just jump up. In and say he's going to be at that level of a Barry Brown or Xavier Sneed defensively, but he certainly has the potential, and I, I think he's going to be a solid player who can play from the shooting guard position all the way down to the power forward, and that's why I think he he can really fit in for what you're losing in Xavier Sneed next year. I mean, you got a Dejuan Gordon who, once Sneed leaves, will most likely fill right in uh, after his freshman year as a sophomore as exactly what Sneed's role was. And then you can have uh, Celta Miguel, who can be the, the Dejuan Gordon of this year and, you know, fill in for when, whenever Dejuan needs a breather. Or I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later. But this team now is going to be able to have a lot of position versatility and a lot of different options on the floor at once. Yeah, and it's crazy you brought up, you, you start talking about that athleticism and uh, having all the tools to play defense. And again, what you see at high school versus what you need to see at the Big 12 level, that truly has become like a hallmark of uh, what Bruce has gone after. I think he might have mm-hmm. gotten burnt a little bit 
when he tried to go after guys like Trey Harris or Malik Harris and, uh, you know, chasing some higher profile guys who just didn't have any, you know, desire to play defense. You don't see that in any of the three guys. And I will move on to the guy who was the first commitment that Bruce got. It's another Mm -hmm. four-star guy, uh, another Rivals 150, Nigel Pack out of Indianapolis. Um, He wasn't even ranked. He he didn't have his four-star, none of that when he got the commitment. So it's another sign of K-State coaches really identifying a top player before they blow up. He blew up down there at Peach Jam um, in the past summer. So what what, what happened during Nigel's, uh, you know, recruitment? Because it mm-hmm. happened so much earlier. And how big of a priority was he for the staff when the calendar flipped to 2020? I mean, it's like you just said earlier, like this staff is so good at uh, at evaluating talent before, yeah, the national rivals guys or any or, or really any websites are out there evaluating the guys and, and put them to the status that they deserve. Yeah, K-State's the best at going around and finding those gems. And Chris Lowry, Coach Lowry, was on this uh, on his recruitment for Nigel, and they prioritized him more than anyone else, I think, that, that really they were recruiting, especially at the time during the summer. I mean, they just knew this kid was going to be good, and they also knew, oh, shoot, Peach Jam's coming up soon. I really hope we can capitalize on this. And they didn't expect him to commit, you know, right when he got on his visit or anything and, and, and right there say. But I think it helped that he was there on the visit by himself over the summer. And I think, you know, he probably had a good idea going into the visit that, hey, this is my best offer. I mean, I had he had a couple of he had an offer from Butler and I can't even think of um, the other offers. He was really uh but I think Butler was like the best other offer he had. So he knew that K-State was his best option at the time, highest stage to to uh, take his talents to. And when he, I think in the back of his mind before he came, he was thinking that, yeah, this could really work out. And then he got here super impressed with everything. And then, sure enough, he was he was ready to commit to K-State right away. I mean, that, that recruitment is definitely one that I think K-State – fans should be proud of i think the staff should be proud of like something that because if they let him get to the peach jam i'm not saying like he is a true k-stater all the way you see him on social media and whatnot and and the fact that he's going to commit at his visit i think goes to show all that but you let him get past peach jam i mean i'm sure this dude's offer list an offer sheet was going to explode especially in big 10 country i mean we'd already heard that big 10 i mean around his commitment uh, to K-State, Big Ten teams were starting to take notice a little bit. But, man, after the Peach Jam performance and, and I mean, really uh, the whole summer of him in the um, in the AAU circuit, I really think that Big Ten, a lot of Big Ten programs would have been after him. I don't know. My Michigan State Spartans would have loved to go after a guy like Nigel Pack. He's a really awesome dude. I've talked to him many times. He's super easygoing, fun dude to talk to. And if you, if you watch his tape, He's a baller. This guy can, yeah, he can ball. Yeah, so uh, first off, I think when it's all said and done, I think Indiana and Purdue fans are going to be kicking themselves here in a couple years, letting him get out of that uh, basketball craze state of Indiana. Uh, So you you mentioned watching his tape. So to my untrained eye, he looks truly like a pure point guard, and he does ball from that position. So correct me if, if I'm wrong speaking out of turn. Is he a true point guard? Is he someone who might get some time at the shooting guard as well? 
You know, he is a true point guard in the sense that he can play that position perfectly. But the fact is, he is a really good shooter, and he's very good shooter off. I mean, off the bounce and off of off of the uh, catch catch and shoot. So, I mean, he's definitely a guy who you can still have some position versatility with him. You can put him down at the two, but he's also yeah, he's not the biggest guy. I don't see him. Yeah, he's going to get bigger and stronger through the K State. Uh, strength and conditioning system, obviously, but I don't see him getting huge. I, I mean, I, I do see him being able to go down to the two, but mostly spending the most of his time at that one position, whereas a guy that, I mean, I could point out on the team right now, a David Sloan, I mean, I highly doubt you see him slide down to the two very often. He's one of the few guys on the team that like, you you probably wouldn't see David Sloan have too much position versatility just because he is smaller and He's, I mean, it's, he's an exceptional point guard as far as that's concerned. But um, I do think Nigel could slide down to the two, but most of the time you will see him as a lead guard. So the third and final commitment currently uh, locked up is Luke Kasuki. And I think I'm pronouncing that right, but hey, you never know. Uh, so, he, <laughs> so he's a rival's top 150 guy. He currently only has a third star, but if he has a good senior season, he could maybe get that fourth star. I'm not sure. Uh, he had a great offer list, uh, Illinois, Missouri, Creighton, Xavier, and some others. How tight was his recruitment when it really came down to it? Or was it one of those situations where some of those schools might have been hoping for a higher caliber guy when he was ready to shut down his recruitment? Um. So, yeah, Luke Kazuki, I think you said it right, to my, to my knowledge. I, I remember one time I was on the message board trying to make it sound like uh, Kazabuki. <laughs> I think the first time we brought him up, we said Kazabuki. So, and you know, like it's funny because when I wasn't like saying, and I had known how to say his name for forever, but when I was typing it out on the message board that one day, for some reason, I really wanted it to be Kazabuki. And <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a cool name too. But anyway, so uh, he, yeah, he had a great offer list. Um, you mentioned a lot of those teams. I do think in the end, the closest teams um, in his recruitment were the three last official visits he took, like back-to-back-to-back. He took one to St. Louis two weeks before he committed to K-State. He took one to uh, Loyola, Chicago, literally like three days before he came to his visit to K-State. And then he he was on to K-State. And I do think it came down to those three. I don't know... I, I mean, I'm sure those other schools like Illinois and Xavier would have likely, you know, probably taken him had he committed. But I don't think they were. I, I think it was a case where they weren't on him as hard, maybe like you said, hoping and, and trying for more high caliber guys. But in that scenario, yeah, they missed out on a guy who is a very, very solid player. He's been in the t- uh, Rivals 150 for, I mean, as long as I can remember. I mean, unless I'm mistaken, I'm pretty sure he's been there for a while. And um, so, yeah, K-State loved him. Another St. Louis guy that you bring up, up I mean, it's I mean, it's basically, it's got to be considered, what's what's the term when, when a ton of guys go from one place to oh, pipeline. that? pipeline. Yeah, pipeline. It's It's got to be considered a pipeline at this point. If not, I mean, how many more guys do we have to, how many more guys does K-State have to add from St. Louis to be considered one. I mean, I, they're, I would, they're taking like one a year. I think it, it feels like it. I mean, two years ago you had, um, you had Sean Williams. And then, I mean, that was the only recruit in the class 
and he the only commit in the class and he he was a, a three star out of St. Louis. I mean, last year they didn't. They, I'm sure I know they were looking in St. Louis, but they ended up with Dejuan out of Chicago, Montavious out of Texas, and uh, Antonio out of um, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, but. I mean, you know, they're always in St. Louis. There's still other guys that are recruiting in St. Louis right now, so it is a pipeline. But Luke Kazuki is between those three three teams: Loyola, Chicago. Who, I mean, we all know that. that all know yeah, that let's school. not talk about that. Let's, <laughs> let's 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 move past that. And I mean, obviously, K State beat them out. Um, it came down to uh, after his visit. I mean, I don't think the staff knew exactly where his head was at, but. Then um, after after realizing that he wasn't going to take any more visits, I think K State put on a final like full court press on him, and and that was all he needed. He I mean once I, two days after his visit, he was committed to K State, and he, even before that, we knew before that, but two days after he was publicly putting it out there that he was committed to K State, and he said it felt like home. It felt like everyone involved was uh, was. I mean, just 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 great people, and that's what you hear every time. I mean, the the guys, I mean, on the team are always really good with recruits, always good at welcoming welcoming them in, and then you also have the fact that this coaching staff is always diligently and always doing the right thing. And Coach Lowry did an amazing job with Luke Kazuki as well. So I mean, he really he really knocked it out of the park with his recruiting this this year. I mean, as he does a, a, a lot. I mean. He was he was getting guys you know for a while, but he was able to pull in Nigel Pack and Luke Kazuki uh, for the first two commitments of the year, and I mean that already started off the class really really nicely. And I mean I don't know what the next question is, but if we have we talked about like um, oh yeah I guess you go ahead and ask the next question. <laughs> well I was just gonna ask where do you think he's gonna fit in in the offense? And then yeah. also I don't know if I put this in the outline. Is he going to be a guy who's going to live up to that standard of a K State defender as well? Um. So, first question, I, I think he, the, the fit he's going to have, especially with the addition of Selton Miguel, I think Luke Kazuki is going to look more as a a big off guard, a big two guard. Which I mean, he is listed as a shooting guard on the rivals um, page, but. I mean, he, he's also he, he can play the wing, so that's what I'm saying. A lot of position versatility at times when when these guys are when they're the core of K State, you could see Celta Miguel slip down to the four and and Luke Kazuki play the 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 three, and then whoever is ready there to play the the two. I mean, at that point, Dejuan will probably be the the all time you know the the all-time small forward, the all-time wing at that point. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see the position versatility. But Luke will be able to fit. He'll be able to play, the I, I would say, the one through the three. You won't see him play point very much, if at all. But I know he's capable of handling the ball. Um, and as far as defensively, I mean, I think he is going to struggle early on. It's something after a long time, or I mean, after a good year, of being a freshman in the strength and conditioning program and, and getting all that ready to get bigger and stronger. So he can, he can be a more of an imposing defender. It's going to take a lot of that, but I do think he's capable. I don't think, especially in this system, I mean, it's going to teach, it's going to teach him to become a great defender. I don't think he's a slouch defender right now. I just think when it comes to defending the three and bigger guys, 
than he is. Maybe not as tall as he is, but just thicker guys than he is. He might struggle down low. Whereas a guy like Celta Miguel, I see being really good at not allowing guys to score on him down low with his physicality. That's where Luke's going to have to make, take the next step. His physicality is going to have to get better. But, I mean, I see that all coming together. I mean, as far as positives for this guy, he is a lights-out shooter. I think him and Pack are going to be a really nice team of being able to get Pack drawing doubles and then kicking out to Kazuki for an easy three. And then, I mean, if, if he gets switched on from a rotation, then you might even have Miguel out there in the, the corner taking a three. As I think all three of these dudes can and can knock down shots. They're, they're guys that can score at all three levels. I mean, Kazuki is probably the best out of all three at, with his in-between games. So a little, you know, uh, mid-range area where, I mean, you know, he's not as tall as a Dean Wade, but, you know, where Dean Wade loved to make his his, bre- his bread and butter was and Barry Brown. You know, a lot of these guys, I mean, I think that's what K-State looks for our guys that can can score at all three levels and don't mind taking an open two. I mean, people like to say that shot is dead, but man, I, I know K State, especially with the the extended three point line, that area of the game is going to become, I mean, wide open at times and more than more so than it already has been because of all the spacing and stuff. So, I think. Kazuki is going to be a huge asset on offense. He's going to be able to. He's going to be a good defender, I think, on guys that are his size and smaller. It's going to be about getting bigger for him, so he can he can guard those those bigger threes at times. Well, I, I'm super excited about all three of those guys, and there's only three open spots for that 2020 class as we sit right now, but. Mm-hmm. We all know, I mean, anyone listening to this podcast follows college basketball well enough that there isn't a single team, you know, in the nation that doesn't lose at least one guy with eligibility. In K-State, I can't even remember the last time that happened. So I think it's safe to say they're going to add at least one, maybe even two. Do you agree with that, or do you think that there's a chance that, hey, maybe this might be it? I, I mean, there's definitely the chance that this might be it. That all depends. I don't think they're done recruiting. I do think they will. I, I, if I had to predict, maybe not by November signing period, maybe not by the early signing period, which happens, I think, November 13th. I think that's the date it starts, if I'm not mistaken, and goes for a couple of weeks. Um, I don't. I, I kind of doubt they get someone before that signing period. It's possible. I think the. The, the the biggest option would probably, uh, as far as right now, today, would be Davion Bradford out of St. Louis, who actually Luke Kazuki played with, with Mocan and stuff. It's kind of hard to tell where his head is at. I haven't talked to him a lot myself. I mean, I've tried, and, and I don't think that instantly means K-State's out on a guy just because he doesn't respond to me or anything. But it is hard for me to gauge where he's at when, when a guy's not getting back to me. So... As far as, as that goes, I think he is the best op- best opportunity committing to K-State before November. I mean, Jethro Muscadin will be committed somewhere um, before the early signing period. I know he wants to sign somewhere in November, but his his recruiting has fired up since, since uh, I mean, Louisville and Memphis have, have all, have both offered him um, since he's been on some of these visits and stuff, and he still has one more visit to Texas Tech. Obviously, Kansas has an offer out there, Minnesota, and K-State. Those are all four places where he'd, he'll he be done visiting after. I mean, I think today's Wednesday. He's visiting Louisville right now for an unofficial after he just got done visiting Louisville for an official visit last weekend. 
So that is an interesting, interesting recruitment that I think K-State has recruited him harder than anyone else as well. But I think it's a it's a it's a matter of him already being um, being I mean, such a hot commodity right now. I mean, a four star. He, he really blew up, too, after. AAU season was was wrapped up and I mean he would fit K-State's system perfectly I mean they could tell him that he could come in and most likely start right off the bat because with McCall Maywean uh with, with him graduating and and moving on after this season I think he would be a huge piece but to me it's hard to say he's gonna do it um so I don't I don't think they add one before November that doesn't mean they won't, you know, continue to recruit guys into the, I mean, they, they the last signing period is, uh, ends in, on May 20th. So they have, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's when that signing period, the regular signing period ends. So they have a bunch of time. I mean, if you remember last year's class, um, I don't, I don't know if, I don't think anyone was signed before the early signing period. I don't know if they had any commitments before the early signing period. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think they had to sign everyone af, in, during the regular signing period um, in April, end of April, early May and stuff. So it's obviously they, – I mean they've killed it so far in this recruiting period. So if they wanted to be done or if, if they have to be done because they don't end up getting any more commits, they are in a great spot. This is still one of the best recruiting classes Bruce Weber has ever put together. And – um, but I still doubt they're done. I know they're, they're not even going to be done recruiting guys that could still be a wing. I mean, you do have Rondell Walker still out there. He might make a decision before it's up, but I have a hard time believing you see a guard. Rondell Walker's a guard out of Oklahoma. I have a hard time seeing that you see a guard go um, to a, a team that has all three of backcourt commits already in the class that are going to sign in November. So, I have a hard time seeing that, but um, before or before the regular signing period's up, I expect K-State to at, at least have four people in the class. I, I mean, five is hard to, to imagine could happen. I mean, they definitely, I, I think, personally think they have the guys that they can respectfully ask to uh, make room for scholarships on the team right now, but um, that's going to be up to the team at the very end of it all. And I, I, but I do think they do get a fourth. Well, I will be keeping my fingers crossed because if you get another uh, rival top 150 guy, all of a sudden you might be looking at a top 10 class. Absolutely. Uh, and that, and that kind of brings me to my the last question that's purely about recruiting. Uh, so last year you had top 150 guys with Mont Murphy and Dejuan Gordon. You got three this time. So in the last two classes. Bruce Weber has brought in five. That's around the number he's had in all his previous years combined. Is mm-hmm. he just, you know, are they, are they just, you know, able to finally close the deal with some of these top guys? Or is it the recent success? Or what is it that has led to this, you know, step up in quality of recruit over the last two cycles? I think the recent success definitely helped without a doubt. I think it, it, it made guys that were already four-star guys, um, look towards K-State's way when maybe they wouldn't have in the past. But I do think this this um, this program, this staff, has been amazing since day one at recruiting. And, and in a different way, though, instead of landing these splash guys, they went out and found guys that 
weren't highly, highly recruited guys like a Barry Brown, who, I mean, you, you, you'd see rivals say that they, they missed his, uh, his rating, obviously a three-star kid who turned out to be an all big 12 player. I mean, one of the best defenders, I mean, at the guard position in the nation. And I mean, I think K-State has been this good, but in a different way. Before, they had to find their guys like Barry Brown, like a Nigel Pack before he blows up. They have to find their guys and evaluate, evaluate them before other bigger programs come in to try to swoop in. So I think that was happening throughout. I mean, and then you, you talk about the year that they had. I mean, the year they had... Um, Malik Harris and and Marcus Foster. Malik Harris was the 80 ranked player in the nation that year, uh, coming out of high school. I mean that that to me it was already a great class. You pair on top of that. I don't I don't know if they were the exact same class or if they were one class apart. But then Marcus Foster was a three star kid, someone that they had to evaluate themselves and figure out this is going to be a pretty good player who obviously was an instant impact right away. Obviously, their their heads weren't weren't right for for college basketball at the the time. I think obviously Marcus Foster figured things out with Creighton, but that that took a huge blow to K State. I mean, with with having to lose those types of guys, that affects uh, everything going forward. And obviously, you saw them struggle for a few years uh, after that. But but I mean, they were still recruiting hard, still trying to get guys. But I think the aftermath of that lingered for a little bit. And then once they started to get traction back, they started to get the guys that they really want. And now, I mean, you throw on top of, yeah, recent success along with Kansas starting to crumble as far as that that program is concerned, as, as far as the NCAA finally putting their foot down. I think it's all only going to help K-State. Now you got a level playing field. I think you could see this. this isn't this isn't the last class that we'll be wondering, oh, is this the best? I mean, it's kind of obvious that Bruce Weber continues to get better and better recruiting classes as the years go on. And, it, yeah, it just seems as everything's working out in their favor. They're starting to win, which that's all on them. That is them getting it done. I mean, they got that done before NCAA decided to say anything. So they've won games with who they have, and then you add on top of that the the whole the whole NCAA putting their foot down, it's going to level the playing field a lot more, which is what K-State wants. They need in recruiting, and the, the future's super bright, man. All right, so I'm going to ask you to make a bold prediction right now. Mm-hmm. There are no yes, no, or there's only yeses, <laughs> there's only nos, no maybes. You cannot sidestep this. Will the core of Mr. Gordon, Mr. Murphy, Mr. Pack, Mr. Kasuki, and Mr. Miguel win Bruce Weber his third Big 12 title? I think so. I think so. I mean, and you, I, I know he's a lower level player. He's not, he wasn't a top 150 guy. I, I really believe Antonio Gordon's going to be a part of that core too, as well, as far as a, a, a quality player. I think once he gets into the group of things, I think those four as, as, as sophomores, juniors, and seniors, I, I really, I mean, as sophomores and juniors, and, and definitely as juniors and seniors, that core group is, is definitely going to win case. Uh, Bruce Weber, another Big 12 champion. I know I will be predicting it, but you know me. I'm very optimistic in my predictions. Last year, when everyone was saying K-State's going to be fourth in the league, I was saying K-State's going to be fir- finished first, and 
sure enough, they end up finishing first. Not saying I'm going to be able to predict that stuff again a second time around, but I will for sure be the optimist I've always uh, shown to be. And once they're the core of this team I see, and, and seeing what uh, possible rec- recruiting, uh, how recruiting I see getting better, so the possibilities of freshmen and sophomores being great depth underneath all that, yeah, I mean, K-State is going to win another Big 12 champ. It, Bruce Weber is going to win his third Big 12 championship in what, like – Less than ten years easily. What is that like? I think you should just say he's going to win two more, at least two more. I honestly, yes, he will. I'm not saying with this core. I don't know. I think as juniors, I, I don't and seniors, think Bruce is ever going to lose another game. <laughs> he's going to become the Kleiman at NDSU of college basketball. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so we'll we'll get get you out of here on a couple questions about uh, this upcoming season. Uh, practices have just begun. What, if anything, have you heard coming out of these practices? And also, how have the new additions of, uh, you know, Dejuan, Antonio Gordon, Montavious Murphy, and David Sloan, how have those guys also been adapting? Yeah, so um, I think out of practices and stuff, it's, it's, it's very early on. So I think, obviously, K-State is still learning a lot about their new guys and such. I think that's the biggest thing going on in practice right now. I mean, losing guys like Barry Brown and Dean Wade and Cam Stokes does, I think, does affect practices, especially early on right now. I think they do respect the leaders of the group in Xavier Sneed, Pearson McAtee, and McCall Maywean, but they're just not nearly as, I mean, Xavier is probably the the best at it, but even he's not nearly the vocal leader of what like a Barry Brown is out there uh, at a practice and being basically another coach. Um, so I think they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do with that. I think that's going to work itself out in the end. But right now, early on, I think there are those concerns of, of, uh, of, of guys really being able to figure things out quick enough because that's what it's coming down. That's what's always every year is the toughest thing is for a freshman to really get the system down. And we saw it with Sean last year, Sean Neil, Neil Williams or Sean Williams, I guess now it is. He, he for sure is going to, he for sure was a guy that they wanted to get on the floor and they did every so often. But even then, like, I think, I think this year is going to be a, a, a breakout year for Sean just because he's had the year under his belt now. And he's going to be able to show that he can play uh, at this level. But um, to me, Dejuan is the furthest along from what I've heard. He's he's the guy that uh, I think his playing background in Chicago and growing up is what has helped him the most to be able to come in here and just understand basketball and just understand, I mean, some of the, the tough things that you need to understand. And and I think Dejuan's the furthest along. He's still having some growing pains. And then Montavious and Antonio, I mean, they're in a they're in a, a interesting spot because. I mean, they're, they're going to have to be thrust in, into the limelight right away with the depth at the uh, at the front court, front court position. So they're taking a little longer, I think, to understand uh, everything as far as K-State system involves offensively, defensively. But I've heard great things that they're coming along. They look really good out there. It's just going to, you know, it's going to take some time, I think. I mean, because... Bruce Weber, you know, he has high standards, and it's, he will get that get it out of those guys. And then David Sloan, I think, is probably 
going to be the the he's going to be leaned on maybe the most out of all these newcomers this year just because of his experience at the JUCO level. I mean, his ability to to be a, a pure point guard after you lose a guy like Cam Stokes. Not that he was a pure point guard, but he played the position well. You lose a guy like that that really played that position most majority of the time. I mean, Sloan comes in as a really, really pure point guard, a guy they can really lean on to, to run an offense and, uh, and, and just find guys and, and make plays because uh, he's, he's going to have to be that way. His, his problem is he's still getting over an injury, but I think once he gets past that, you're going to see big, big things from David Sloan as well. I mean, th- that's probably the most I have about the newcomers. And, and basically, yeah, that's, that's the best I got for what's happening in practice so far. So give me your prediction on, for that very first regular season game, what's the starting five going to be? And then who is going to be the starting five in the Big 12 tournament championship game? Okay. Okay. So I like the assumption that they're in the Big 12 tournament championship game. I like I like that a lot. But yeah, it'll be after we <laughs> demolished Iowa State in the semifinals, and, like, and we'll be playing like Texas or something. So. Oh yes, that'll be fun. So to start the season off, here's my guess. Um, I'm gonna go. Oh man, it's so tough. I'm going to say. Cardi, starting starting point guard from the beginning at game one. I think it's going to be yep. Cardi, Mike, Xavier Sneed, Levi, and Mac. Ooh, all right, all right. And then in the Big 12 championship game. Big 12 championship game, things are going to get switched up a lot. I mean, not a lot. I think you still got the core guys of Mac, uh, X, and then I think Cardi, you slide to the two. Um uh, and then the one I think is going to be by that point, I, I, I believe, I don't know, I've flip-flopped the past few weeks on this. I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's really hard to tell when you haven't really seen any games yet. I mean, as, as you know, but like I, I am going to believe that by that point, David Sloan will be so far along. His injury will be way behind him, obviously, and he will have solidified starting point guard position because um, – and then, and then the starting four will be um, Montavious. And here's my thinking behind all this. So you have a playmaking pass first point guard. You have Cardi, Cardi, who's going to be leaned on a ton to score the basketball. X, who's going to be your number two scorer, I think. I mean, I think him and Cardi go back and forth throughout the year as who leads the team in scoring on any given night. And then you have, and then Mac too. I think he's your third leading scorer, and he's going to be leaned on too and put the offense a lot. And then Montavious is a guy who I think has the best opportunity to be a defender at that position. So I think all four of those are the smart call to start. And then off the bench, you can throw in guys like Mike with experience, Sean Neal Williams, who we know he likes to get his shot up and 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 get going offensively. So you bring him off the bench uh, for David Sloan or Cardi when needed. Um, and then Dejuan Gordon coming off coming off the bench, who I think at that point, I know some might think he starts, but I think this year you see him being a major, probably the biggest contributor off the bench just because of all of his potential. And then I think Antonio Gordon at that point will be able to fill in for Montavious and be an offensive-minded four 
Whereas Montavious, I think, is a little more defensive-minded and come in and fill in for a, a guy off the bench when you need some scoring off that bench. All right. And then, so and then, and then Levi Stocker coming in for Mac when he needs a breather. And that, that wrapped it up, I think. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Going 10 deep, I like it. Um, <laughs> so, all right, and he, here's your next kind of prediction-type question. So we all are expecting uh, Xavier Sneed, Cardi, and Mac to be the, you know, new big three, if, you, if you'd like to say. Who is going to be that fourth guy, like when it's all said and done and you're doing your ballad of most valuable cat, who is going to come in at number four? I think the fun picks are to say Dejuan Gordon, and I think he will be very close to who I end up picking. Another fun pick would be able to say a Sean Neal Williams. But I'm going to say I'm going to go with Mike McGurl, a guy who is now going to be a junior who has had a lot of good experience off the bench throughout his career from freshman year on. He's he's had great experience, and I think he's already turned into a. a a tier under those those older guys as another leader that you can lean on. I mean, yeah, you got Mac, Cardi, X, and Pearson as your main leaders. I think Mike's kind of basically in that group as the last kind of guy that you can go to with any questions as far as a leader goes or a, a voice that you want to hear. And especially when we heard him, I mean, you probably watched the video. You can check it out on our YouTube channel um, of Mike talking last week. He saw, I mean, he's he is – he is a mature guy. I mean, he's gotten smarter, I think, and I just think – and more comfortable, I think, with himself and, and who he is. I think he's going to be the most valuable player besides those core three that you, you bring up. All right, final question before we give you the final word in this Free Play Friday episode, and we're not going to hold you to it. You can make different predictions later, but where you're sitting right now – what is your prediction? Where is K-State finishing in the Big 12, and what will their seed be in the NCAA tournament? Mm. Mm. Right now, I, I'm going to predict K-State finishes third in the Big 12. I'll take which, it. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone will take that at this point. I, I'll be curious to see where the media ends up putting putting them but I mean I, like I said I'm always going to be optimistic this might even jump up even more once we get closer to tip off of the first game but I'm going to say third and then a seed for the NCAA tournament give me um what's that what's that put them like I'll say like sixth yeah sixth I was going to say it's going to put you between a four the and NCAA six tournament. seed yeah well, I'll take yeah. I'll tell I'll tell you this right now. I'll take third in the Big Twelve and six seed right now. I love that prediction. Um, so that's all we got for you guys. Uh, the guest always gets the final word. So, Flando, tell everyone what you guys got cooking up over at K State Online. Tell the Boneheads where they can find you on social media, and then uh, you know, tell your girlfriend you love her. <laughs> All right, I'll try to remember all three of those things. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so K State, uh, I mean, sorry, K State Online, KSO. Go to our website, the Rivals Network. Go subscribe. I'm sure you've heard it t- talked about. I know uh, Scott Wildcat and Grant KSU do a great job of talking us up way more than we deserve. Um, so, check out our, our message boards. They're always they're always a new. Th- thread like what every 10 minutes it feels like there's always a new thread talking about something it's not even always about k-state sports but if you want it to be about k-state sports there's plenty of that too obviously um 
podcasts, stories, DYs all over football recruiting all the time. So, I mean, you, you're, you're really getting what you're paying for when, when, when he's putting out the amount of information that he puts out, he goes to games weekly. Now that it's the high school season. He'll be at one. Um, you said this is a Friday show. So he'll be at one, I think Thursday and Friday of this week. Um, and then Dale, obviously Matt Hall, he's, he does everything for our site. He, he is the master of being able to get everything done for our site that we need, which is, I mean, obviously amazing. He does what he does. Uh, we got KSU underscore fan, obviously Chris Nelson, those, those both football and basketball experts, you could say analysts that come in and, and we don't pay them a thing. And they, they come in with probably the best information on our site. Um, and then, who am I missing? Is there any? Oh, yeah. Logan Mance is our, our intern, who's an awesome dude. Uh, if you ever come out to our podcast, which we have, we have one Friday. I mean, this might be. Is this a Friday morning podcast? Yeah, this will drop at 4.30 a.m. Central Time on Friday. Perfect. So if you're listening to this before 6.30 today on Friday, come out to Manhattan. Come out to Tallgrass Tap House and see us do a, a live show there. I mean, obviously live from Tallgrass. Not, it's a podcast. So it's still recorded. But Logan... Uh, myself, uh, DY might be there, and obviously Matt will for sure be there. Will you be there this this weekend, Scott? I will not be there on this Friday, uh, sadly, but I will make it out to at least one more before the season's over. You better. And then, because um, you also said you won't make it to the the uh, we got the yeah tailgate. I will I will not be at the tailgate. It's it's sad times. I probably won't see it you is. guys this weekend. Oh, it's so sad. But yeah, we I have our, our our annual tailgate. This one's a little better, I think, than last year's. Even though you 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 got to make it to last year. Well, I think it was two years ago was the fun one, wasn't it? Because I wasn't was, at the one two years ago. I was at the one last year though. Was the, last year the one? It was an early morning. Yep, I came over. I had some coffee with uh, Natalie and uh, yucked it up with you guys. And that was right when. Uh, the initial Seth Luttrell rumors already started popping up. So that was, uh, that was fun times. You know what I'm thinking? I think, I think that, uh, I'm thinking of a time where me, Matt and DY might've crashed your. Yes. Before the UTSA game. Yeah. Yes. Was that two years ago or last year? No, that That was was last year. That was last year. That was a good time. That was a good time. Yes, it was. And I'm hoping that we can turn, um, our tailgate this year into something kind of like that. Just people, you know, it's a little later, obviously it's not an early morning games, two thirty games. So a little later tailgate, people get some drinks in their system and have a good time. I don't know. We even me, Matt and DY might have a few pregame beers. Who knows? Um, that's, that's always happening. I guess. So, uh, what else? Obviously, yeah, all the content we put out, we try to put out something every day at the very least. Even during the summer, we try to put out something every day. Matt's really good at making sure. Obviously, we had your 100 questions over the summer. so That was rough. <laughs> you know, for experience, <laughs> I, that, like, we're trying to pump out stuff every day for you guys because we want it to be worth it. We want you to subscribe and, and tell your friends, you know? Perfect. So, yes, everyone... Tell your friends. Uh, find me over at the K-State Online message boards. Um, Flando, you're the best. Uh, Boneheads, we love you guys. Uh, to Grant KSU, we love you too. Yes, we uh, do. You can find him at the Cathead, and maybe Grant Flanders will be there too. Meet me at the Cathead. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.